Welcome to High Tea with Farah. This podcast is all about homeschool, nutrition, travel, and things that inspire and enrich me. Get cozy, get comfortable, and let's get inspired together. Hello, hello, and welcome to High Tea with Farah. My guest today is my dear friend and college buddy, Qanita. Assalamu alaikum and welcome, Qanita. I'm so happy to have you on here today. Alaikum assalam. Thank you for having me. Qanita Mohiddin holds a multiple subject teaching credential as well as a master's degree in teacher education from UC Irvine. She leads workshops at local schools on topics such as positive discipline and differentiation in the classroom. She's a mother of six children between the ages of 1 and 11, and this will be her seventh year homeschooling, mashallah. She is an eclectic homeschooler who gains inspiration from Charlotte Mason and TJ Ed. Anita's homeschool thrives on self-directed learning where her children pursue their own interests. This is also her fourth year serving as a homeschool teacher with Cabrillo Point Academy. Welcome, Anita. So there, a lot of our friends have been homeschooling this year, people from public school, private school, and a lot of them have multiple children. I get a lot of questions every week. And the number one question is, how do you homeschool with multiple children? Okay, alhamdulillah. So honestly, I kind of think it's much easier to homeschool when you have multiple children because they're not waiting on me all day and they take, they entertain each other, um, learn from each other. So there's so much I can say on this topic, um, but I'm sure you're looking for more specifics. Yeah. So I can talk, I'd love to talk about how I tackle maybe each subject. Okay. Um, math is the only subject pretty much that I teach individually at their own level. So right now I've got a sixth grader, fourth grader, first in kindergarten, and they all have their own math curricula. Mm-hmm. Um, another important thing is that I like to choose math curriculum based on my children's learning styles and I've never used the same math curriculum twice, which is interesting because I end up loving almost all of them and discovering that they're all good as long as we we do them consistently. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I did Right Start for my son, for my eldest, and then Beast Academy for my second. Now mm-hmm. she's on Math Mammoth. And my third does Math Mammoth, and my kindergartner is doing Math with Confidence, which I just love. And that's another important thing. I like to choose. It's actually very important for me to choose curriculum that makes me happy that excites me and makes me gravitate toward it so like my favorite part about my kindergarten kindergartner is teaching him math it's like the only time because it's it's a very um play-based uh it's just a very it's a beautiful beautifully written curriculum so interactive Mm -hmm. and he has my complete attention I have his it's like the only time I look into his eyes sometimes, subhanAllah, and the only time he touches my face. <laughs> yes, the lesson plans require that he studies your face. It's so cute. Just having your little child, you know, looking at you, mm-hmm. touching your cheeks, like observing the symmetry on your face and then looking at moles on my face and saying, okay, the, mole, the moles are the only thing that's not symmetrical, mom. <laughs> you know, it's just so cute. Um, yeah, that happened today. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, of course, language arts is where you can get so creative with multiple children. Mm-hmm. We thrive on read aloud. 
I think if you were to ask me if I had a successful homeschool day or not, it really depends on two things. Like one, did we get our Quran homework done? And two, did we, you know, did I read aloud, read aloud to them? So I do naturally gravitate toward my read alouds and they're, they're always on the kitchen counter. When they're eating, I read to them. When I'm on my exercise bike, I'll read to them. When I'm putting the baby to sleep, I'm reading to them. And where, when I'm driving, they're reading the same book to me. We're always just reading our read alouds. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the same book for all of them. So for example, I just finished two days ago, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. Mm-hmm. It's a very intense read, um, powerful messages. But when we were done, like my sixth grader, he is going to write an essay on the history of slavery. Okay. But then my fourth grader, she's going to write a poem, a poem about slavery. She's a poet. Mm-hmm. And um, my first grader, she's, she listened to the book, the fact that she even listened to it and was intrigued because it's a middle school. And the same thing for my kindergartner. They're, they're just around. Sometimes they'll run away and play and then come back. But they know the basic just the story. Right. But for them, I'm also, I have my other read aloud going, which is The Prairie Thief, which I just finished. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting Matilda next, mm-hmm. um, inshallah. So when I finished The Prairie Thief, toward the end, my daughter just wanted to make scones, and we did that. Mm-hmm. And my, my son, who's, in, who's five, he, he, he um, caught on to the wolves toward the end. And then we went into like a mini unit study about wolves, and we drew wolves and wrote about wolves. Mm-hmm. And um, she, my daughter went back into the copy work and the grade by the literature guide. So that's how I kind of, I use the same curriculum and I differentiate. Um, the way I ended up doing the Prairie Thief to the younger two, it, the older two, the, the only reason why they weren't there is because they had already gotten to the book before I got to it. So they just, they had read it from the library before I chose it as a read aloud. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to read it, read it out loud for myself because I've never read it. And then to the little kids. Right. So I just do that when the older two are like in other classes. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the gist of my language arts. So we can go back to writing and such. One thing I want to say, though, is I have a hard time pulling books away from my kids. Mm-hmm. And that's a, such a big blessing, alhamdulillah. I think that we it takes time to nurture that environment, like a lots of time and patience. Okay. So we would go to the library and get, you know, dozens, sometimes even like over 100 books. And they're just reading. And it depends on the type of environment that we set up at home. And the resources that I have out for them, and of course, minimizing um, distractions, right, and screens. Right. So the more they read, the, the natural, the you know, the better they're going to write. Right. We can't expect them to write if they haven't been exposed to quality literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to take too long, but then history, you know, they all do the same history. Mm-hmm. It's basically historical fiction. So, like, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry was historical fiction. Okay. Journey to Joburg, you know, Freedom Train, right. Magic School Bus. Oh, no, Magic Treehouse series. There's so much fiction, historical fiction there. Um, the other thing that I do is I do like to expose them to their grade level history if it's important to me. So last year when my son was in fifth grade, I didn't have time to only do U.S. history just for him. Mm-hmm. Right? Realistically, I didn't get there. But I asked him, I gave him Howard Zinn's A Young People's History. Mm-hmm. And I asked him to read that every night um, during dinner time because he likes to read during dinner time. Mm-hmm. So and then he did Joy Hakeem's as well. So the fact that so that that's his own self study, and I value that, and I'm so grateful for that. Same thing with my daughter; she's doing California history now, and it's all through novels that I'm just. Ideally, I wish I could say I read to them, but this is life. I can't do that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, even for my littles, like American symbols, presidents, biographies, it's all through the library. Okay. Um, we do the same thing for science. Mm-hmm. And for science, they do a lot of nature study. And then again, back to living books and unit studies based on the books that we're reading and lots of pretend play, which I can get into later. <laughs> it's time for me. Oh, great. Those are some great ideas. So a lot of your homeschool is reading aloud and you tap into language arts and history and science through books. That's that's great. That's actually um, really fun and exciting as compared to a, a typical textbook workbook, right? Um, right. So tell me when... Another you- thing, if I may share. Yeah, sure. Go on. I'm sorry. I can talk about homeschooling forever. But, uh, of course. We love it. Um, Please go for it. <laughs> I was talking about writing because you mentioned writing. Um, scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. Scrapbooking and art. So just integrating across the curriculum. And my, my daughters love art. All of them do, actually. So I get a lot of pictures based on what we're doing and give them a photo album. And next to each picture, they, instead of inserting another picture in the album, they insert a card with writing on it like that that explains the picture and then they decorate it and so that's and I give them erasable pens so that they don't mind you know messing up and uh, erasing or correcting and that's when I that's where I teach them grammar and apostrophes and commas you know capitalization quotations and that's where I that's where it comes in um, and they're so motivated to make everything beautiful because this is an album that they're going to cherish forever and also share with people that come um, to visit right yeah <laughs> Great, that's awesome so to during your read alouds um if you guys get stuck on a word or one of your vocabulary words and you don't know it what do you do do you pull out a dictionary how do you explain it to them if you don't know the meaning of it how do you, you know do- oh that's a that's a great teaching opportunity Okay. So first of all, if there's a name, and often it's very humbling because I don't know the meaning, but my kids do. Okay. So I ask them sometimes because they read a lot more than I ever have in my entire life. Um, and the other thing is I then, if they don't know what it is, then I ask them to use context clues. Okay. So this is not with my kids, but I was working with a student today, an English language learner, a multilingual student. Okay. And he asked, his mom said, he asked me, what does extract mean? Okay. And I didn't know what to say. She asked me the same question. It's so interesting how you asked me that. So then I told her about context clues. And I said, can you go back and read, find that, can he find that paragraph for me? And he said that the hummingbird extracts nectar Mm -hmm. from the flower. So I said, so what do you think it means? Mm -hmm. And he said, sips, you know, and I said, you know, on point, that's exactly what it is. And then I told him how to, you know, how that, I told the mom, I asked her to go to use a thesaurus or a dictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, I like using the book, but, you know, we have the the Google minis. They just ask, hey, Google, what is, you know, blank meat? And they get the, the definition. Sometimes I've seen that and they've admitted to this. We all do this. After reading and they come across a word, you may not need to know what it means mm-hmm. to, to understand the gist of the story. Mm-hmm. So I pick and choose if it's something you absolutely need to know. Like in The Prairie Thief, it was the word ladle. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what is this? And it was an important item in the book. Like it had some significance. So mm-hmm. we made sure we learned how, like I wanted, I know what it means, but I wanted to model to them how to, but they asked Google. <laughs> right. Uh, keeping it real here. I wish I 
we could say they went to the dictionary, but no, they went to to Google Mini or Alexa, whatever people have. Right. Okay. So you teach them the word, you teach them what that word means. And then, um, so that's, that's great. That means the, they're probably learning a lot of new vocabulary words and has that helped them? Do you think that's ever helped them in their writing or anything? Totally. When they read, that's what comes out. For example, my son was reading the warriors. Mm-hmm. I remember this, he, he came and he showed me a paragraph and he said, read this. And it said, it was about a, t- a cat, right? Like a wild cat, not a wild, but a stray cat, right? Um, enjoying its meal. And it said, and she let the sweet taste bathe her tongue, something like that. And then he kind of liked that description. And then the next day, when I asked him to do a free write about his soccer game the night before where his, where he, his team had won, mm-hmm. he said, and I let the sweet taste of victory bathe my soul, you know? Nice. So he took he took the same thing and he changed it around. But they're noticing things because when I read aloud, I model to them how to just dote over over the author's you know piece of words right. or the literary elements. And all of this is thanks to you know Brave Writer, my absolute favorite. It's I, it's a toolbox for me. It's a teaching tool. Um, I don't use it you know verbatim, word for word. I like to learn from it and then model it in any and every book that I'm reading. Right. Okay, those are some great ideas. So um, I guess this brings me to the next question. Um, how do I make my child an avid reader and a good writer? Mm, same, just lots, like exposure to quality literature. Don't force them to read. Don't say you need to read for 30 minutes. Just have a lot of books. Like I went to the library just today mm-hmm. and my son, my kindergartner was with me and he asked them, because of COVID, it's very restricted now. We're not allowed to just openly freely choose off the shelves. So he was like, do you have any Curious George books? And they said, yeah, how, what do you want? Do you have a specific one? And he said, anything. Then he was like, and also any books about raptors? Any, any books you have about dinosaurs? And they were like, whoa. And then they were like, how many do you want me to bring? And I said, as many as you can. We right. checked out all of them. They were appalled. <laughs> they were crazy. But um, he loves books. They all do. So when we came back home, they were all reading Mm-hmm. I even got those, you know, the I Survived series. Yeah. So it's a, there's a story about the Titanic. Yeah. Um, there's a story about um, like a shark attack. Again, like you can't always know that they're obsessed with sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, war stories. And there's a lot of history there. Right. Uh, he got like an ocean encyclopedia, an animal encyclopedia, books about bats. There was a bundle about bats and spiders. And that's all, you know, that's all um, literature, language arts. So right. the one... When he reads and he gives the story back to me, mm-hmm. that is language arts. That is summarizing. And his vocabulary is, it, you know, I'm sure you've been in there before. It's like they can't write, but they can't write at that age. Mm-hmm. But their vocabulary is so mature. It's like an adult, right? It's like a scientist. Right. It's like you're like they're working encyclopedias. So he even said, Mama, why does every shark book, every single shark book I've read says a megalodon, a megalodon's jaws can crush a car <laughs> and then he said well if i write a book i won't say that oh my gosh <laughs> and i started asking him what would you say and i told him i could type it up for him and he can slowly write it down mm-hmm. so they like that so i just think again putting all the distractions away and absor- always 
exposing them to a wide variety of quality literature on a regular basis, they're naturally going to gravitate toward the books. And when they start reading, they'll be amazed. That's the best language arts curriculum throughout the textbooks and the workbooks. If they're just reading. And then when they have all these stories, like my older kids mm-hmm. on Google Docs, they've written volumes and volumes of stories. And nobody, I've never assigned it. I don't ask them to go do it. Okay. They just, they have a story to tell and they want to put it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they want to save it and they like to share it with their friends who are drooling over their stories and saying, hey, keep writing. Hey, when are you going to write the next chapter? How fun. Oh so it's, it's just amazing. Again, you can't go wrong with, like, with the library. It's the only thing you need. Right. Such a great gift we have here. And, and you can get books for free. And I have families in India and Dubai telling me, you know, that's one of the biggest gifts you have, that you can get books for free. And mm-hmm. we don't have that opportunity and I can't keep buying books for my children and they're bored of reading the same books over and over again. So we should take advantage. Totally. You know, you also reminded me another example, like the, uh, with the dinosaurs, he was reading about like, there's, he bought like six different books about dinosaurs. So one was about an ankylosaurus and he, he loved this weapon that they have on their tail. And then he goes, um, so they're herbivores. But the, and the Diplodocus is an herbivore, but the Tyrannosaurus is a carnivore. And it's like, I was thinking, I learned about herbivores and carnivores. It's such a dry way, like right. a workbook in a textbook. And here he is, and he knows how much they weigh. And then, the, the, you know, there's pictures comparing the dinosaurs and their sizes to the size of your van, your car. So we have a van, and he's like, now he knows which ones are way bigger than our car, and which ones are just a tiny bit bigger or a little bit smaller, and how much they weigh, what they ate. Mm-hmm. Um, where they were, where their fossils were discovered, and that's geography. Right. There's so much math, science, geography, and language arts in one little series of books about dinosaurs. That's you know, right? That's amazing. That's just phenomenal that you know they can just read and read and grasp great vocabulary and and stories and the imagination and doing it at a young age. I'm sure it's just it really helps them out in in the long run. Right. So, um, so tell me about your day. What does an average homeschool day look like? Um, is it structured? Do you, do you have certain tasks that the children need to do daily? Or what, what does your homeschool day look like? Okay, that's a good question. Um, it always looks different, to be honest. It might, it might look the same in the future, but life is unpredictable with toddlers and nursing babies. Right. And pregnancy in the past, so... Um, I do have base. I, I love checklists and on my whiteboard, I always give the children a checklist. So under their name, it will say, get, you know, math, reading, um, if there's something I want them to write, mm-hmm. whatever it is that I want them to do. But I think my basic is always Quran, math and reading. Okay. Um, which, but which, so what I mean by reading is read aloud. It's for me because they naturally read. I don't need to assign it. Mm-hmm. But what I do sometimes is I assign the older kids to read to the younger ones. Oh, okay. So, you know, all those Curious George books that I got? Yeah. Um, my first grader has been reading them all to the kindergartner and the three-year-old. How fun. You know, yeah. And even I've got my one-year-old stuffing books in our faces saying, read, <laughs> read. It's so cute. That's great. So I do have little checklists like that that I want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, with COVID, things are changing, but I love having – I. I do need structure somewhat. Mm-hmm. So on days like when the kids have something early in the morning, on those days they don't sleep after budget. 
And I love to take advantage of that time because the rest of my kids are, are sleeping. Mm-hmm. So with the older two, I do Quran journaling. So it's mm-hmm. not me listening to their Quran review. Mm-hmm. Um, it's journaling. I do some tafsir with them. We reflect upon it. We illustrate it. We think about it. Okay. Um, and then we do some math before they go. And that way, when, they're, when they come back tired and stuff, they, they're on their own. They're most likely going to read for mm-hmm. pleasure. Or they love me reading aloud to them. Um, by the way, when I read aloud, that's how we get our chores done. I know people with multiple kids always have that question, like, what about chores? Mm-hmm. So I'm reading aloud. They sort laundry. They chop vegetables. That's their favorite thing to do. They're all at the, at the dining table with their cutting boards, mm-hmm. chopping vegetables. And that's how we get our cooking done. Um, so, and that's how we cuddle and connect too when I'm reading aloud, right? Sometimes it's just over hot chocolate or some rosemary tea or mm-hmm. and lately my daughter's really into baking zucchini brownies. <laughs> nice. So while she bakes, I'm reading to her, to all of them. Nice. So, um, so read aloud is, is on my list of things to do, I guess. Okay. And so when they have somewhere to go, that's when we try to do our Quran journaling and math before they go. On days where they don't have to be anywhere, we might not even do Quran journaling that day because those are our like review, Quran review heavy days. Right. Um, and that those are the days when they're not going anywhere. I might say, okay, two pages of math. And for like my older son, he always has half a lesson because okay. his lessons are longer now. Right. So every day it's half a lesson. I basically, my goal is I look at a textbook, let's say I look at a math book and it has 16 chapters for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Then in my mind, I'm like, okay, roughly eight months, I need to finish this between eight to 10 months. Eight months is my goal. I'm going to try to finish two chapters of math every um, every month. Mm-hmm. So that's how I eyeball it. And then I just make notes saying, this is how I'm going to do it. And I did the same thing for my daughters. And they have to do at least two pages of math. Sometimes it's more, sometimes less, but it balances out. Okay. Um, that's pretty much it. I've always outsourced, mostly outsourced any formal. Like right now they're in an astronomy class and that's formal science. Mm-hmm. I wish I could teach it all, learn it and teach it, but... Life gets in the way, and this is Dunya, and I can't do it all. So, maybe I'll learn with my inshallah. Inshallah. That's great. I love it. I love it. Um, I love the whole thing about reading aloud and just making it natural and organic and having the children read for pleasure. That, those are some, that's just gold right there. Um, so if your child is resisting a math curriculum or he doesn't want to do it, he's finding it hard, um, how do you deal with that? What do you do? Different ways. Um, usually we know what the issue is. If the curriculum is the issue, mm-hmm. um, and that's happened, let me think back to the past. Okay, so Beast Academy, mm-hmm. my kids didn't like the workbooks. They loved online. Okay. And I think the reason being that they didn't like waiting on me. Like my daughter, she's very independent. She's like, tell me what to do and just I'll go do it. Right. But with my son, he likes for me to be with him every problem. Mm-hmm. I think it's a person personality thing. Right. Um, so she, so she bonds differently. Like my daughter, she likes to sit, sit next to me in the car and go with, attend or just run errands with me and connect and talk that way. But my son, the way he connects is to be like a dentist. Because he likes to be there the whole time. Yeah. But um, if they're resisting, I think that we need to back off. And I've never seen results any other way. Mm-hmm. So back off, revisit, and it'll, it just becomes clear later. Or try to approach it a different way. Or skip it. What's the big deal, right? Sometimes you can skip the lesson. Right. Um, it depends on the lesson, obviously. And some, I remember once my son was having a very hard time with his um, 
all the four different operations, once I had to put, once he put them together, like adding fractions, subtracting fractions, multiplying and dividing in all the different rules, mm-hmm. it got overwhelming. So then I stopped that and then I just took the Hanukkah package. Right. And we did some of that. And I take advantage. He likes to stay up past bedtime. Mm-hmm. So he'll do anything to not sleep. That's when I do extra math with him. Okay. So if they're um, resisting or having a meltdown, there could be an underlying issue. Maybe they're hungry or they didn't get enough sleep or they felt left out in a certain class or at a play date. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're not, they're not feeling well. So I just always, you know, it's the path of least resistance. It's going to be okay. But I do tell them, like, this is dunya. You know, this is just something we have to do. In Jannah, no math. <laughs> if they were to say something like that, I would say. But um, some things just need to get done. The other thing, though, that I noticed mm-hmm. is... Many people think you have to make homeschool, homeschooling fun all the time and entertaining and turn everything into a game. Right. That's not realistic. You can't do that. I mean, we play math games, mm-hmm. but you can't do that all the time. But what I have noticed mm-hmm. is let's say we went on, we had a, a play date at the beach with all of their friends or a bonfire or our friends came over um, or we were on a road trip or to a, on a field trip and just had a great time. Mm-hmm. All of the positive energy from that experience right. trickles into the week. Nice. And it'll show. Okay. It'll show, and they're they're going to be more willing to do things that don't bring them that much joy. Okay. Got it. That's awesome. That's great. Um, going back to math, I remember about a month ago we were doing uh, multiplication with my daughter. And um, it was hard, you know. She was finding it hard. I was finding it hard explaining it to her. She knew what it means, but just remembering it. And then of course she was doing other stuff too. So I just took a break for like a couple of weeks and very gently um, I started playing. Um, I started doing like math and movement with her. So I would take a bean bag and toss it back and forth. And every time I would toss it to her, I would ask her like, okay, so five times three and five times four. And, and I, we made like a chart, um, on the wall and she would just kind of look at that and you know she didn't feel like pressured that she had to do it at that time but I think just playing that game and like moving around and me giving her that break and that space really helped her and she got it she just she just bounced right back and she got it so that's great really um you know giving her that space and that time to you know, it'll come and it'll happen. And oftentimes we feel so stressed as parents that, oh, my child's in third grade. She has to do this. So she has to learn her multiplication tables. I don't think so. For me, um, the way I look at it is what are the things that I want my child to learn in elementary school? And then that's how I'm tackling it. I'm not tackling it by grade level per se, but I'm, I'm saying that, okay, by elementary their basic computation skills has to be strong and let's work on that and then we can move on to the next step instead of just stressing about everything at that's wonderful right you nailed it you know that's the thing we want to look at the big picture so in the long run like it doesn't matter when they master those facts it doesn't have to be today and certainly not through tears right um you reminded me my fourth now fourth grader when she was last year in third grade, she didn't really care too much for multiplication. Uh-huh. Um, so I got her the, I, last year I read the Harry Potter's, the entire Harry Potter series to them. Right. You know, censored, of course, yeah. but I was reading aloud. Mm-hmm. But a, um, there's a book, there's a Harry Potter math book, you know that? 
for multiplication. I didn't know that. And I got her that. Mm-hmm. She she aced she aced it. She loves it. That's awesome. Um, I had some word problems and some multiplication. It's it gives you all the facts and some division and such. And she really liked it. And there's another book that I like to go to, and that's called What's Lover's Path. It's it's got it's filled with word problems, uh, talking about how it's just real life math skills. Okay. All from the perspective of someone who loves horses and is around horses all the time. Oh, cool. So I got her those two books, and and that did the trick. Right. And that's it. It's just, you know, you need to find what is that one thing that clicks, and for different children to be different things. And you try different things, and what works with one child may not work with the other. And it's okay. You just have to really Mm -hmm. make a lot of du'a, inshallah, it'll happen. So um, I have a toddler at home. I think you have a toddler at home. My, you know, question, this question I get every other day actually is, how do you homeschool with a toddler? I have all these things to do. I have checklists. I have tasks for my children. As soon as we get down to doing work, my toddler comes in the middle and he just, um, he just, he needs my attention. He wants me to carry him and I just can't focus and I feel really stressed about it. So what is your advice on how to deal, how to homeschool with a toddler? Okay. I always have this image in my head, like a, a blender without a lid, you know, <laughs> you've got toddlers around. So I have two, right? A three-year-old and a one-year-old. Right. So she's not an infant anymore. I think the definition of infant is less than one. Right. I could be wrong, maybe it's less than two. But um, I think it's less than one. Yeah. And I would like to start off, that's not the case for most people, right? It's usually one toddler. Um, the thing is, they're not, they're not, I want, I want to model to my older children that they're, that the little ones are not a distraction. They're not a burden, right? I want to teach them to empathize. So that being said, I do think that my children are sort of trained to be independent, self-directed learners. Like this, there's very little that I do um, one-on-one with them, right, besides math. And even that, usually I'm just available to answer questions. Right. Um, or I'm there, but I, I can still, like, I can still sit next to my eldest who needs me next to him. I can still sit next to him, read to my toddlers while he's doing his math. Okay. The other thing is I let them make them. Mm-hmm. So they play in sand. They play with Play-Doh. Um, I give her cilantro or mint to break the leaves off, mm-hmm. you know, um, water play, pretend they have a lot of toy animals that they play with. Right. I take advantage of nap time. I put them in the tub and let them play with a little bit of water when they're animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I get an intense let- um, lesson done. Like I remember I wanted to, to do a science experiment with the older kids and I didn't want the younger ones around. So I just asked my husband to watch them and he sat there watching them. The, the door was open. They were sitting in the tub and they played. Nice. So just, you have to get a little creative. Yes. There's showers after, and you know, there's lots of vacuuming after, but it's, it's so worth the price of literacy. And um, even when we play board games, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's also important to give the little one, like to give her her time first. So like toddler time first, she has her little backpack. She's got coloring books in it. She's got her own her own pencil case, her own coloring utensils. So um, it's funny. Once she even asked me to put her in her own out school. <laughs> <laughs> I want my class. And I, I found her one. It was cute. It was like a 20-minute painting lesson Aww, um, on out school. But, you know, I just, after that, I asked my friends and their older kids if they wanted to come over. I did that for a while, too. Right. Just have my, older, my friends, older kids come over. They liked 
um, they like playing with the littles. Right. Nap time, take advantage of that. Early bedtime for the toddlers, or sometimes they sleep in. That's a good time to do school. You don't have to do it between 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a time I remember when I only had three kids. Mm-hmm. My husband would take the trio, um, not the trio, the third child, uh-huh. and he would just take, take her to go ahead, and that's when I did math. Right start, right here, take her acid, and that's when I did writing with him. <laughs> and that's just how, that's how I got things done. Um, I love my baby sleeping on me and because she sleeps for much longer and then I just sit and read to them the entire time. Mm-hmm. And during that time, if there's nothing else for them, I ask them to do their handwriting or to play with some modeling play or do some art mm-hmm. or painting. And it's just a very relaxing time and everyone loves that time for that reason. That's great. I love how it's so organic and natural. Um, oftentimes we feel so stressed. We just want to kind of shoo them away or have them go to the other room. So we get our work done, but you know, some of our examples are, are, you know, it's, it's normal. They're, they're part of the, the mix and we just have to embrace it and embrace um, our time with them and kind of find ways. I think before I started homeschooling, um, Nobody told me this, and one of the biggest challenges of homeschooling is to learn how to juggle, right? And you become a pro at juggling. Yeah. And um, really, find there's no perfect time, or there's if you if if you tell yourself that hey, every morning nine a.m. I'm going to do math, that may not happen, right? And you have to be okay with it. And so, I started realizing that okay, I have to learn to juggle. I have a toddler, I have a baby, I have my you know older son that I need to homeschool. And so what I would do is um, my husband has a traveling job. So when my husband would come home on the weekends, he would watch the baby, he would watch the little ones. And then that's when I schooled my older son. And then when he was not here and he was traveling, we didn't really school. We just read and we played and we did our Quran and that was it. And so I swapped my weekends for some of the weekdays. And then on the weekends, I did my schooling. And in the evening, we would just kind of go for a walk or go out to play or play board games. And that was our homeschool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's great. Mashallah. So, um, so I have different, I have, you know, mashallah, four kids, you have six kids, mashallah. And different kids have different interests, right? So in your homeschool, how do you tap into each of their interests? Um, you know, for the most part, sometimes I think they all have very similar interests. At least they choose the same books to listen to, you know, when they're audio booking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rarely ever a disagreement on what book they're choosing. But there are things like my daughter, for example, she loves art and poetry. Okay. So I'm not going to ask her to write essays, right? Um, <laughs> nonfiction essays and opinions, because I know that her talent, her strength, like as homeschoolers, this is actually a big difference than the brick and mortar because in brick and mortar, you're usually focusing on their weaknesses and bringing everyone up to the same level. Right. But one of the greatest liberties we have as homeschoolers is focusing on their strength. Mm-hmm. So she likes poetry and she loves art. So she often does a, like paints beautiful sceneries okay. um, or images. And then she, after her, she illustrates, she writes a poem about it. So she does a lot of mountains. She'll write poem about mountains. Sure. Um, she actually recently dedicated one to my dad. And she said that he's strong as a mountain person. It's really cute. That's awesome. Um, she'll draw a horse and then, you know, paint it. And write, or she, she, she painted her cat today mm-hmm. and wrote a poem about her. 
Um, she also runs a poetry club monthly, and that's, you know, she does a lot of reading, I mean, a lot of writing and art through that. She teaches poetry online on a weekly basis. Okay. And she also continues, like, I helped her publish the first book. That was a big learning curve for me because she finished that book so fast, but it took me forever to figure out how to format it and publish it, like self-publish on Amazon. Oh like, I'm over that hurdle. Like, she's got so many other books up her sleeve <laughs> she wants to do. So I like to just be her cheerleader, right? Her coach. Right. Um, my son likes soccer. We did a lot of, you know, soccer, um, the history of soccer, and then, of course, soccer play dates. Mm-hmm. And recently he embarked on a new project called The Busy Brothers, okay. where he is mentoring little boys. Okay. Um, and again, this is what I... Like, as a homeschooling mom of multiple kids, you need to learn how to multitask, too, and try to kill as many. I don't like saying this because my children love birds, and they want me to find another idiom, but (laughs) killing as many birds as possible with one one stone, right? So, (laughs) so, um, through the Busy Brothers Club, like, my son is is gaining leadership skills, and then my my five-year-old son is getting friends. And he's learning, you know, some social skills there, and they all get to play soccer. Um, it's very open-ended. They do some STEM projects. They made a marble run last week. But I I took, I created that or encouraged him to do that and supported him mm-hmm. on the side because I knew that he likes that. Okay. Now, um, my daughter likes to bake. I'm not a baker, so I either find recipes. She's got her own recipe book. I gave her the liberty to look up recipes, give me a, a list. We'll go to Trader Joe's, go get whatever you need or ask your dad um, to get what they need. And then she has the freedom to bake and mm-hmm. she's learned so much on her own. I don't know how to bake whatever she bakes. And it's, oh, the wow. kids just They're watching her, um, you know, also getting them mentors. Right. So if there's something that I, that they're highly interested in, mm-hmm. um, whether it be like knitting, for example, right. Sewing, I've gotten them teachers to teach them skills that I don't know how to, and I don't have the time to learn and teach them. Okay. Um, Another thing we do is lots of pretend play. So like when my son, he's, he's so much into, um, like, he, he always, he jumps around, but for, as an example, mm-hmm. he's into scorpions, right? And I read, I read a book to him about, or a few books about scorpions. We learn about scorpions and then we pretend to play it out, to act it out. So I was the mama scorpion. He asked me to go inside and wear, like, I think there are three colors, gray, black, and yellow. And I lay down. He was my scorpion on my back. And then the other baby comes on top of him. He goes, now you have to be scorpion. And the older kids want to play. And um, there's just a lot of, you know, we play. We It looks like play to them. It feels like play. But there's that's a lot of language arts right there because they're summarizing and creating stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, showing their vocab. Um, we do a lot of pretend play. And I can talk maybe another day about that because I don't want this to be too long. But we've like playing is pretend play is a an amazing way to tap into their interests and foster them. Gotcha. That's great. I love that. Um, I love the idea of having mentors or kind of just you know going with the flow and tapping into their interests. Um, I. I'm excited about the whole Busy Brothers Club. I want to know how that goes. So let us know how that goes. That just sounds exciting. And uh, being exposed at such a young age, you know, to leadership qualities and teaching others and 
being mentors to one another. That's just what our community is all about, right? SubhanAllah. No, that means a lot to me. Um, community service and just giving and staying busy. Right. Children by nature, all of us, we like purpose. We need purpose. Right. And when that purpose isn't there, that's when you seek it elsewhere. Exactly. Um, in things that you probably should, you should, you shouldn't be doing, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as we keep them busy and that feeling of giving is so satisfying, so fulfilling, it just makes them so content right. when they make a difference. Whether it be, you know, feeding the homeless or visiting the elderly, um, sponsoring an orphan, like raising, a mon- raising money for a good cause, like do their hard work. It, and that's, that's, another, that's another subject for, not, for a different day, but that's all part of our homeschool. Mm-hmm. And it's something you do together as a family. And when, when you make it a priority, like when I drop everything that I'm doing just because somebody's sick and they need something, that's modeling to them too. And it's going to stick with them. Absolutely. What, those are life Allah. lessons, subhanAllah. Um, going off of what you said about, um, you know, peeking into your child's interests and then helping them and giving them a platform to kind of do what they enjoy doing. My daughter loves... Um, loves learning about culture and languages and she's part of a mentorship program uh, with the local um, uh, traveling naturalist Sama and they have a um, project a service project that they have to work on and she decided that she teamed up with one of her friends she's another homeschool buddy um, mentorship buddy and they want to do like a cultural fall cultural festival and what they want to do is invite different families from the community to um, talk about their culture and present about their culture. So different foods and clothes and languages and whatever they, they want to share and then make some trinkets and or foods from that area and then have like a bazaar and whatever money they raise, they want to donate to Sabah Homes, which is an orphanage in Pakistan. And nice. SubhanAllah. And for me, when, when she came up with that idea with her friend, I said, okay, how am I going to support your idea? What are we going to do? So again, like taking a book, jotting down ideas, jotting down, you know, the families that she wants involved, like what is her vision and how can I help her achieve that? Right. And just that is just, that meant so much to me. That's at a young age, these children are taught these important values that, okay, we make this money and we're donating it to these orphans in Pakistan. And that's, that's, I thought that was just phenomenal. Mashallah. So um, my second last question is, do you have any advice for new homeschoolers that are coming from a public or private school setting? Mm, sure. I'm, I'm coaching a few right now. Okay. And what I see, I think the greatest need is some parents think that they're not used to being the teacher, right? And the children aren't used to the parent like, taking on that role. So parents like, when, okay, now I'm teacher. Like, listen to me, now I'm parent and mom, right? So like sit down and like, they expect their kids to sit down the entire time. So I've been talking to them and I encourage them to take some time off and to de-school. Okay. And what I mean by that is the children even because they've been going to school, they're used to waiting for someone to create an experience for them okay. or to tell them what to do. Um, and they have this, 
not I almost this feeling of entitlement. Like it's my job to just receive, and they can't think for themselves because a lot of that curiosity, the initiative, the self-directed learning, the want to learn, is killed. Right. Right. Naturally, because someone else is always telling them, like in school, they'll tell you exactly what worksheet to do and how to do it, and where do you write your name and what color pen to use, even right, mm-hmm. what type of pencil to use. But in homeschooling, all of that is gone out the door. So I I do tell them to take one thing at a time, and it's going to be different for us. Let's fully introduce one subject at a time. So I always have them begin with, of course, read aloud. <laughs> Right. Drop everything. Don't ask them to write. Don't ask them to summarize. Don't ask them to read to read out loud to you. Right. Don't ask them to read to themselves. Just you read to them and model the love of learning. Mm-hmm. Right. And then go into unit studies. Okay. So if your son or, or daughter, if they're really into butterflies, then go crazy with butterflies. If they're into horses or koalas, go after those. Have like give them experiences when they have this experience. They're going to want to write about it. Then ask them to write about it after the experience okay so I've been doing a lot of that and slowly introducing different things and I'm also encouraging them to outsource like if you especially now everything's online and because it's virtual it doesn't mean it needs to be national like you can afford five dollars you know like five dollars per hour if you get a tutor from like you know from a from a different country like Pakistan or India Right. Um, Egypt, right? They don't charge that much. Like you can have it daily that way. Because here, the the tutors charge forty dollars an hour, but there they charge much less. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I know that you know everyone has their own opinions about this, and I don't personally do this, but I've encouraged my families who need this mm-hmm. to do it, okay. and it's working well for them. They have family, they have tutors, um, you know, overseas who, and then I tell them, don't just ask them to tutor your kids. You are the mom. You have to be actively involved. The more you care, the more the tutor will care. So you know your child's needs are. So it's like, okay, for the for the kindergartner, like just focus on zero through 20, like the facts. Maybe that's what you want, you know, addition facts. Then move on to subtraction. Or have them play a game or make them involve movement, you know, and challenge them and ask them to involve art or whatever your child's interests are to have that. So, for example, like my son, he does Quran review on online. Okay. And I, it's hard to make review fun, but every few pages they play chess online. Okay. Um, you know, and that makes it fun. So, but I had to take an active role and, you know, problem solve and say, well, my son never said he didn't want to do it, but I want to make sure he loved it. Right. So I'm going to be proactive and talk to the teacher beforehand and have that as a request from the very beginning and an expectation. Got it. So it's the same thing for, for anything really, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm. Um, and. It's gonna. It's a slow process. You have to just trust the process. And also, homeschooling. It's what everybody everybody says this right that it's ten percent academics and ninety percent parenting. Right. So maybe we need to focus on our relationship with our kids first. Okay. And then when they feel connected, they're going to want to learn and want to respond and want to you know um, share experiences and share that that space of learning with their parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Great. That's awesome. Um, and so my last question to you is, how do you know you're doing enough? Mm-hmm. A lot of people have that question. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't know why, alhamdulillah, that's never bothered me. And I think it's because 
like you can you can see it in your kids. It's all about the quality over quantity. What do you what does enough even mean? Like, right. do my children love learning? If they do, if they if they never resist, you know, a book that I want to read to them, then that's win. That's a win win situation for me. That that tells me that we're succeeding, and this is enough. Like whatever I'm doing is enough. Okay. Um, you know, of course, there's different ways of assessing them, and we do that. Right. Um. They they take their their state tests. You know, they take the Star Three Sixty. Um. But those are just tools. Like those don't mean much to me. What really means the most to me is what I see from them. When, when you know they're, um, I don't even when I'm done reading a book, I don't need to ask them comprehension questions. The fact that they saw, they sat through the entire book and asked questions themselves and were critically thinking and engaged in the book just tells me that they're understanding, mm-hmm. and they are like a lot more than we think they are. Right. So as not, I don't know if I answered your question, Farah, but I just also go with my maternal instinct. Right. And I like to make things fun. And I think they'll let us know. And there are, there have been times when I set up this amazing class for them mm-hmm. and they just weren't into it. And then I didn't continue it. Okay. Because again, I want to respect their time. I value their time. If they're not, if they're not in, like engaged or if they're not um, intrinsically motivated, they're not even, they're, they won't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not effective. And then I pull them out of those classes. And I don't think that's spoiling them either, you know. I'm just showing them that I I care and I value their opinion. I trust their judgment. And sometimes kids, like, they're not able to verbalize or to express how they feel. So that's when we have to use our mom and, like, our intuition, our instincts, and then help them and guide them that way. And, of course, I always told you, tell people, like, it's the bare minimum. Go down to, like, your the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? Mm-hmm. Math. So reading, writing, math. I would even take the writing out in the beginning and just say do reading it not consistently. The rest, everything is going to be fine. Okay, great. Then you don't need to co- cover all the standards. You don't need to, you know, complete the entire like grade level curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is redundant. And it will, they, if they don't understand something now, like geometry, it's going to come back again next year and the year after that. They'll get it when they're ready. Right. So true. That is so true. And, just being your child's biggest advocate and, you know, for them to know that um, we understand them and supporting them and supporting their needs and different children may need different needs at different times. And it's going to be okay. Right. Having that faith and inshallah, making a lot of dua. Um, this episode has been great. Anita. It's full of gems and I just can't wait for my friends to get inspired and enjoy. Thank inshallah. you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Farah. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Of course. Thank you all for listening. Can't wait until next time. Thank you all for listening. I hope you're inspired and it was fruitful. Until next time, connect, create, and continue on. You can reach me at High Tea with Farah on Instagram or at my blog at highteawithfarah.com. Please enjoy the frame drumming by Brahma Khan.